Great news. The Pokes Report podcast is now sponsored. And Marshall, it's something that, that's near and dear to our heart. It's a place. It's a people. It's a community. It's downtown barbershops here in Stillwater. DB1 Barbers are located at 609 South Main Street here in Stillwater. You can give them a call at 405-269-8590. That's 405-269-8590. Or you can check them out at downtownbarbershops.com. That's where they have their list of services. They have a contact information. You can make an appointment through there. And that's, that's how I make my appointments. I'll either call Randall and say, hey, Randall, I need a haircut. I ain't got time to go through the website, hook me up. Or the easiest way is to go through downtownbarbershops.com. They've got all your haircuts. You know, they've got your your traditional haircuts. That's me, Marshall. I'm not fancy, you know. I Give me short on the sides, give me tall on top. I don't even know what the numbers mean. I got no idea what they mean. But they do buzz cuts. They do your military haircuts. They got razor fades. They do clipper cuts. They got children's haircuts. Again, I'm... This doesn't apply to me because I'm follically challenged, but they do mustache and beard trims. It is the best cut in town. And you can attest, you were there recently just like I was there last Friday. I was there recently. I got, went and got my hair cut there a couple weeks ago, and I think I'm, I think I'm due for a new one and a little beard trim up. So I'm, uh, I'm going to be heading soon. Yeah, I'll be there uh, not next week, but I'll be there the week after. I'll be the week uh, right before the Tulsa game. I'll get a fresh cut. So go see Randall. Go see Joe. Go see Rhonda. They have the best staff. It's a great location. Again, downtown barbershops. It's 609 South Main Street. And when you go to make an appointment, if you want Randall, it's under Hair Doc because he is an absolute doctor with hair. It's the best cut I've ever had. I, it, hand, and I'm not just saying this because it's a sponsor. It's hands down the best haircut I've ever had in my entire life. You cannot go around with Downtown Barbershops here in Stillwater, 609 South Main Street. You can check them out at downtownbarbershops.com or give them a call, 405-269-8590. Welcome into the Pokes Report Podcast. I'm Zach Lancaster alongside Marshall Levinson, as always. We've got Ryan Breeden on with us. He is new to Pokes Report. He's coming on here in the next week or so, sometime within the next week or so. Uh, we'll start with Marshall. What's going on, man? Nothing much. Just started school, done with COVID. Um, Hell yeah. That's what's and up. And just, just big chilling. Yeah, that's good. Ryan, I, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we were going to have you on last week when we, when we came – when we uh, – Recorded last week's and had a bit of a, a health scare. It was rather scary, um, but you've pulled through. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm on day eight now of COVID. I've, I'm feeling good. I'm uh, just excited to be able to go back to school for the first time this semester, not get miles behind in my classes, and just hit the ground running. We are the three COVID amigos. Yes. That we are. <laughs> Uh, we've all dealt with it, and and thankfully, I can say, thankfully, we have all pulled through, um, and and things are things are looking up health wise. So let's let's keep it that way. Um, so today was was an interesting day for multiple reasons. We're gonna we've got a we got a bunch of stuff that we're gonna get into. Uh, obviously, Oklahoma State dropped its depth chart for the week one game against Missouri State. We're gonna dig into that. I think for the most part. 
I, I think Marshall, you and I, we were we were pretty square. I mean, we were we were pretty pretty much nailed our depth chart predictions last week when we when we put them out on the pod. But there were a couple of you know a couple of interesting little tidbits that uh, that we'll dig into here regarding the depth chart. We're going to talk about uh, the Pac-12's announcement. They came out earlier today and said we are not expanding, quote unquote, at this time. Um, which again is pretty much what I think we all expected. So we'll dig into that a little bit. We got a mailbag coming up. We're going to dig into a little bit of football recruiting. Um, uh, me and Robert, we're going to be out and about tomorrow covering some games. Um, and then, you know, if we're, if we're feeling froggy, you know, we'll, we'll discuss whatever towards the end. I don't know if something else comes up. I'm not sure, but, um, we'll see. We'll see. You know, that's, that's a good way. That's a good motto. We'll see. We'll see what's going on. Um, like I mentioned, Oklahoma State released uh, its depth chart for the season opener against Missouri State. Again, there are not really many surprises, um, at least for me. Uh, there were a few positions where um, it was interesting, you know, something I, I don't think I necessarily expected right off the bat. Um, going through it, we'll just start um, left to right the way they do it. They go offensive line, then receiver. Cowboy back, running back, quarterback, and then we'll work our way through the defense. Um, Taylor Maturko or Caleb Etienne, I think that is about what we expected. You know, you, uh, Marshall, you know, we we talked about that last week. Um, I think Maturko is going to get the nod, you know, and it was interesting um, what Gundy had to say earlier today about it. You know, he was asked about that battle, um, and the quote he said, you know, he said, um, we're working both guys. We feel good about them. At some point, somebody will take that role. In the first game, I would guess they're both going to play and see how they play. And then this last bit here, this this is what was interesting to me because I feel like this is a nod at ETN. Um, we all know that some young men play differently in games than others, so I think both of them deserve a chance to go out there and compete. Um, ETN came in early, or uh, came in late rather, came in just before fall camp. Um, so he hasn't had the same amount of time as even just the, you know, the, the freshman that got here in January let alone Maturko, who's been here for three years. So um, getting his feet wet, he's getting comfortable trying to trying to figure it all out. Um, I would think that at some point this season, 6-7-3-50 probably will win out, but there's no question. Like I, w- I want to reiterate this as, as much as possible. This is very important. Taylor Maturko earned this job. It's not like he's just a body and he's, you know, he's, he's filling in a spot until ETN is ready. Maturko is good. I mean, he's he's earned it, so it's not like, well, we've got Taylor out there for a little bit. Um, so I, I think that's important that there are two guys that are capable. They're just trying to bring Caleb along as much as possible, Marshall. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone kind of expects it to be Caleb at the end mm-hmm. by, I mean, a few games in. And, that, like, again, like you said, that's no knock at Taylor Maturko. That's just a nod to ETN because like you said, six like six eight three fifty yeah. and he's athletic. That's I mean that that plays. Like that that's not normal. So I mean you want your left tackle to be different. You want your left tackle to be a stud and that's that's what that is. So I mean the first or second game there might be some mixing and matching which I also don't really know necessarily because obviously, yes, it'll it'll give them a direction to go if one does better than the other. But I also think it's smart because 
with what we've seen in the past couple seasons and the past couple off seasons with some of these linemen getting hurt early on, it is not that bad of an idea to like kind of ease some of these guys in in non-conference play. I mean, you're playing Missouri State. You don't need – it's kind of like a preseason game for an NFL team. You don't need to have Patrick Mahomes out there playing four quarters. Yeah. You don't need to, you don't need to have your starting left tackle out there for four quarters when you're playing Missouri State. And you might not even need to have him out there when you're playing Boise, like State or Tulsa. So, I mean, I think by the time we get two, three games in, then I kind of think that's when you emulate that third, fourth preseason game, and you're going, you're going full on, like let's settle to the middle. So, and I, I think it'll be ETN when it comes down to it. But I mean, because it gives him a couple more weeks to maybe develop mentally, or maybe even a little bit more physically. So, but. I mean, it's nothing nothing crazy that people didn't expect or anything. So, I mean, it's a it's a good battle, and it's and, and competition is always good. Yeah, uh, and and I think what's important, Ryan, is is the last little bit that that Gundy gave on that. He goes, you know, whoever finishes second in that battle will be the swing tackle. Um, you know, they they they've got a swing guard right now. Um, God forbid. You know, you, you go back to last year and, and you, you had to cut two starters off the team uh, due to boneheadedness. You lose your starting left tackle yeah. to, to health, re, you know, he medically retires. Um, and then you deal with injuries throughout the year. So having a guy like, you know, Taylor Maturko or Caleb Etienne as that second stringer, you can fit them into multiple situations. I, th- I think that's huge, and I think the fact that, yeah. um, you know, Charlie Dickey and Mike Gundy have a two deep across the board, I, I think you're going to see a lot of rotation this year. Yeah, and uh, in theory, I mean, the depth is going to be something that's going to be much so much better that they have guys too deep this year because, like, last year there was times, I think it was, I don't remember exactly which game it was, later in the season where Josh Sills would have to move over to one of the tackle positions, and, I mean, obviously that's not, an ideal spot for him. So having, having a competition for that left tackle spot and having a guy who can almost swing over like barring injuries or any circumstances will be really good. Yeah, no. And, and I think, I mean, you look at multiple positions, you know, and injuries happen, right? Um, COVID is still an issue, you know, so you're, you you there's still the threat. Um, that it's potential that you could lose guys throughout the year, um, for for certain periods of times, and that's that's any team. Um, thankfully, Oklahoma State didn't have to deal with that last year when it came to starters. Um, but you know, you go through you go through this depth chart, and there's a considerable amount of guys that got a lot of action last year. I mean, you look across the offensive line. Um, obviously, they lost Hunter Anthony and Cole Birmingham pretty early in the year to injury, but you got both of those guys back. You know, Birmingham at right guard behind Hunter Woodard, who got a lot of experience last year. You got Jake Springfield, who the definition of being thrown into the fire more than than anyone I've ever known. You go from unknown to a walk-on receiving a scholarship, and then game one, you're the starting, you know, you're you're starting. You're out there on the field um, getting action, so... But you got Hunter Anthony behind him, and he's played a lot over the years. You bring in Danny Godlewski, an all-Mac kind of guy, who they compare him to Jeff Saturday. That's going to be huge. You got Preston Wilson behind him, who saw some action last year. You bring back super senior Josh Sills. 
Um, that's huge. Hopefully you can keep him at left guard all year. Tyrese Williams, he saw some action last year. And then obviously, like we've been talking about, Taylor Maturko, um, I, I think he's going to get the nod to actually start this first game. you got Caleb Etienne behind him. Um, but not just the offensive line, but, I mean, you go across the board, right? I mean, Cowboy back is an experience, but you got depth there. Um, you have four very capable running backs who have all played, all have experience, have all have had success at this level. Um, quarterback, you've got Spencer Sanders back. He's healthy. Um, he's improved and, and looks to have a pretty solid year. But behind him, you've got Shane Ellingworth. You know, you go to the defensive side of the ball, and Oklahoma State might have one of the deepest defenses, um, at least in the conference. So, I mean, I think depth, you know, Ryan, you hit on it. Marshall, I'll get your thoughts. This Oklahoma State team is – and I'm not saying that there's quality depth where there's, you know, you, you have ones at one and two, but this Oklahoma State team is pretty experienced and pretty deep across the board. Yeah, I mean, and even the, the depth doesn't even have to do with the veterans too because, I mean, I don't I, – I mean, I've only been here for a few years, mm-hmm. but even most teams, I don't know if I've ever seen a depth chart in a – as many veterans as there are, there are a lot of young guys on there too. Absolutely. I, don't, I don't know how to phrase that because like a lot of times when you see a team and they say like, like, like I'm an LSU fan last year, we had to play a lot of freshmen and it wasn't for a good reason. Right. Like we lost a lot of people to the draft and we didn't have people like coming back at those positions or at least ones that were worthy. And then we had a bunch of injuries. So that is not the case here. The freshmen that will be on the field or even some of the redshirt freshmen or sophomores, young guys that normally you wouldn't see, they are like fighting for, for reps and for, for starts. So, I mean, I know like uh, the green twins on there, you got, I think Blaine was starting and Bryson was, was his backup. I mean, that's, that's two true freshman receivers right there that are already in the two deep. And then you have Jaden Bray on there as well. And John Paul Richardson is on the two deep at punt return and, so I mean, you're gonna see Rashad Owens out there. He's a he's a redshirt freshman, and uh, I mean, I there's a lot of young guys on there that are gonna be getting considerable reps. But it's also crazy to think, especially on the defensive side, like yeah. how how much is returning. And I know he's not on the the two deep, but you have guys like Colin Oliver and and uh, some some guys like that that are going to get some considerable playing time that they didn't even make the two deep, and they coaches are talking about how they're going to make a big impact. So that kind of just gives you an, like almost an easy answer of how deep this team is when you have third and fourth stringers that are they're talking about they're going to be playing pretty often as freshmen. That's kind of crazy. Well, and I, I just – Marshall, oh, go ahead. I, I, I wanted to add on about Blaine Green. I know kind of Coach Gundy's rep is that he's not – he doesn't want to play true freshman. People say that about him all the time. But, like, Blaine Green, when Marshall, when you told me earlier that he's going to be the first true freshman to start at receiver in game one since Des Bryant in 2007, that, like, that blew me away, actually. I didn't – that was a crazy, crazy stat. Well, just go through not, – not even starting game one, but, I mean, look at, look at all the receiver talent that, you know, previous receiver coaches – or Casey Dunn has brought in over the years, there hasn't been too many opportunities for freshmen to play. I mean, obviously, we saw Tylen yeah. Wallace play a little bit as a freshman. Um, 
We saw Brennan Presley play a little bit as a freshman, more so towards the end of the year. Um, I mean, Brennan, I think I think this is true. I, I need to take numbers again. I think Brennan Presley had more catches his last year in his true freshman year than Tylen did. And, I think, and it's possible. I think Brennan. I think Brennan had like seven, and I think Tylen had like three. Well, because and I think Dylan. I think Dylan Stoner played as a true freshman, but it wasn't in like a nothing meaningful. Like, yeah, it wasn't like starting day one. You're going to be one of the guys, right, kind right. of thing. So you go through it. So it, it's not. Think, it's a rare occurrence that when you get a freshman to play meaningful snaps. And you're yeah, talking and about you having, go you're back talking about having three to four of them playing absolutely. snaps. Yeah. Absolutely, and that's and, and and I'll ask you guys this question because I brought it up on my radio show this afternoon. If you had to pick, you know, just just going off the four freshmen that are in the two deep, and and you know, I'll give you five because uh, Rashad Owens is a, he's a redshirt freshman, so I'll give it to you. Um, you've got Blaine Green, you've got Bryson Green in the two deep, you got Rashad Owens in the two deep, you got John Paul Richardson in the two deep, and you have Jaden Bray in the two deep. If you had to pick one of those five to score a touchdown against Missouri State, who is it? And I'll start with Marshall. I'll go with Blaine. Um, just, I mean, I think I, we our four stringers could go could go beat Missouri State by probably a good, good clip, like 30 points. But if Blaine's out there with number ones across the board, number, like number one O-line, you got Spencer out there, the number one – I mean, I, I say the number one running backs, even though they say they have four of them. But if they're going out there, I think they're going to try to open up pretty quick. I could see Blaine uh, and, like, the number ones being there for probably, like, two quarters, two and a half quarters. I think he could get one. I think that – I think they'll be spreading the ball around quite a bit too. Mm-hmm. What do you got, Ryan? I uh... – I could realistically see more than just one freshman scoring, but if I had to pick one, yep, just to one. Pick a different, pick a different answer than what Marshall said. I'd go with Jaden Bray. Yeah, see, that's and I think that's that mine too. That, yeah, I, I just I could see that happening, especially in a situation in maybe early third quarter or mid third quarter, especially if Shane comes out there and. Isn't it quarterback? I could see a Shane Illingworth to Jaden Bray touchdown sometime in the third quarter. Yeah, you know, and I and I I think Blaine Green is is going to be. I think he's going to be good. You know, I, I think he's earned, he's obviously earned this spot. But you go back to the spring, you know, and and someone that that no one really anticipated to contribute. I don't want to say be good, but just contribute his first year. I think would be Jaden Bray, and he went out there during spring football. He got he got here in January. Went out in spring football and shocked a lot of people. Had a pretty solid spring game. And I think you obviously take spring game with a grain of salt because it's a spring game. It doesn't matter. Um, you're, you've got the ones and twos all split up, and you're not going up. You're not necessarily going up against, you know, best on best. Um, and he went out there and had a really big spring game. And he's made a considerable amount of really impressive plays during fall camp. He had a really acrobatic. Uh, kind of an impressive circus touchdown catch in the in the scrimmage on Sunday. Um, if if I, and I'm not saying that he's going to be the only one, right? I'm not. I mean, it's very possible that Blaine Green could score one. You know, it could be, um, you know, Rashad Owens or John Paul. Uh, I'm not, and I'm and I'm also not saying that you're going to have four or five freshmen score touchdowns. That's that's not realistic. Um, but if if you had to pick one, I I would pick Jaden Bray. 
um, came out of nowhere. Obviously, Marshall's talking about Blaine Green, and then and then Ryan picked Jaden Bray as well. I I would lo- I'm with Robert. I'm I'm really excited to see Rashad Owens play. You got a yeah, you I mean, got a, you got a yeah, six I mean, two track star out was, there is incredibly physical. Yeah, sign me up. He's one of those. He's one of those guys that when he when he burst onto the scene, it could be it could be game one, it could be game five, it could be who knows when, and he becomes like a regular, and I, I think he will. He's gonna be one of those guys that they have a ESPN like a a segment about him after the game. He mm-hmm. blows up, and he's like the player of the game or something. He's going to have an ESPN segment and they're not going to have any idea what to talk about because yeah. they don't know who any, they don't, no one knows who he is except for a very few select people. Because I mean, in terms of recruiting, he got his offer like five days before signing day. Yeah. And it was basically by design because like Casey Dunn found him that he's from San Antonio. Uh, Rashad is Casey Dunn. Apparently it had him on the radar for a while but didn't offer him basically so that no one else found him because he had tiny offers. Like he had really small schools offering him and Oklahoma state was by far his biggest offer. And it was like five days before signing day. And it was like, okay, as soon as he's got his offer, he committed. And obviously I think Casey Dunn knew that that would happen because I I don't think he would have had the same like kind of plan of attack if he didn't think that, but um, I mean, they had talked for a while, but I don't think they wanted anything publicly to get out about him because then I think they knew that other coaches would watch tape and well, you one go of through big, one of the one of these one of these big name schools would see him and go try to scoop him up, and I don't think they wanted that, so they waited until the very last second. And they were like, "All right, now let's go." Until it was too late, go for other go through the history of Oklahoma State recruiting. Yeah, Oklahoma State is traditionally one of the first schools to offer someone who then blows up in recruiting. Um, And so, you know, you, you mentioned it. So let's take a look at Rashad Owens and some of the offers he had. Um, First of all, he was barely ranked. He had an offer from UTSA, Incarnate Word, Army, Kansas, Fordham, New Mexico State, Tulane, Northern Colorado, Houston Baptist, Georgia Southern, Texas State, Colorado State. Oklahoma, yep. Oklahoma State offered December 10th. He commits. Yeah, I, think signing day, I think signing day was the 16th he com- or something like that. He commits the 16th. He signs the 18th. And, okay, 18th. And, but, I mean, that's that's eight days. That's a matter of eight days. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that, that Rashad Owens this year is going to be the next Tylen Wallace or he's going to be the next James Washington or anything like that. But I'm just telling you, I think I think Rashad Owens is going to be a bit of a difference maker. I think he's going to be pretty damn good. Um, yeah. Before we go over to the, off, or the defensive side of the ball, I think one of the bigger, I don't want to say mysteries, or, or it was not confusing or anything like that, but it's something that I, I don't think I necessarily expected. Um We've heard all fall that that four running backs. Well, hell, you go back to go back to, to Big Twelve Media Days, and we've heard that there there's four, possibly five running backs that are going to get touches. Um, and so when the depth chart came out, and it was LD Brown, or Des Jackson, or Dominic Richardson, or Jalen Warren, I, I I think for me that was a little interesting. Um, and honestly, I think it was that it was that order because that's alphabetical. 
last name, Brown, Jackson, Richardson, Warren. Because I personally, I think that Jalen Warren is going to be like a 1A, 1B with Dominic or with uh, Des Jackson. I, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, you could kind of flip him because I, I think Jalen Warren is going to be, I think Jalen Warren's going to have a pretty damn good year. I, 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 I think he's going to be one of the, one of the top backs on the team. So, um, We'll start with Ryan. Uh, you know, thoughts on there being you know four ors. I I I, I kind of expected a like LD Brown one, and then you got like Dez or Jalen, and and that's not a knock on Dom because there's four very capable backs. Yeah, I I think all four of the guys are very capable for one and have their own unique skill sets for two. I mean, you've got Desmond Jackson, who's more of a Downhill reminds me a bit of Chris Carson when he was here, type of running back. You've got LD Brown, who's a bit more of a, a burner. You've got Dom, who's kind of like a two-dimensional, more of like a traditional running back. And Jalen Warren, who's kind of a, that wild card, who's come in and torn it up since he's been here too. Personally, I I figured that at some point this season, Des Jackson is going to be running back one. But I think that that's kind of – you put an asterisk on that because with four guys, I think – they're going to want to rotate them in and out a lot and have keep those guys fresh and keep them healthy. And I think it'll, especially with their unique skill sets, it'll help with keeping defenses kind of on their toes, you know, and not knowing exactly what to expect. And um, just quickly, I was going to say, it's not really out of the ordinary for Oklahoma State in the past to have multiple running backs that they use. Like if you didn't go all the way back to 2015, I was looking at 2015, when Chris Carson was the main guy and then you had almost 300 yards rushing that season from like Renee Childs and Raymond Taylor and stuff like that. And like, and those guys obviously not even close to being on the same level in terms of just capability as these guys, but like coach Gundy and the staff, they show that they enjoy using multiple running backs for certain situations. And I think that'll, this will be definitely a benefit for the whole season, whoever ends up being running back one per se. Yeah. And I think what's important, you know, you go to what, you know, what Gundy said today, he's never had this many backs, you know, and that's, this is just talking about these four, you know, you've got a guy like uh, Jaden Nixon, who's kind of, who's kind of come on to the scene and kind of come into his own. I think you'll see him play a little bit this year. Um, And then, then you've got uh, Zach Middleton, who I think is um, he's incredibly versatile. You know, I, you look at how strong he is. He's he's good out of the backfield receiving the ball. He's strong carrying the ball. I think you'll see him a little bit in the return game. Um, so you know, talking about multiple backs, Marshall. I mean, it's not just those four. I, I think it's mainly those four, but it's not just those four, especially moving forward into the future. Yeah, I mean, I think, and I, I know Robert said this before after the spring game, and I think. I know we've talked about it before. I mean, Oklahoma State may have the freaking scout team All-American running back with Zach Middleton because when he came in last year, I mean, he was just a true freshman last year. When he came in, they didn't really have a position for him because they kind of recruited him as like a safety slash slot receiver, and they're like, we'll kind of figure it out when he gets here. We just like what he does on the field. He plays hard. We like, like, We like him in the return game. And he was at safety for a little while, and then they moved him to slot receiver, and just kind of moving back and forth. And I think with Chuba banged up a little bit, and then they really kind of got down to just 
two guys that were running with you had Dez coming in and um then you had to use Dom for a little bit they kind of use Zach as the practice guy and I think getting a lot of practice reps against our defense really helped him develop and really learn how to be a running back well hell he so, had like 20 carries in the spring game exactly I think he had like 22 or 25 carries for like 120 something yards mm-hmm. and I mean every run every run was a tough run yeah now I mean when you're standing next to him He's not the biggest, but he like in terms of just like like height, weight, but he is jacked. I was gonna say like, he might he be is, the bulkiest. He, he yeah, he he is built. And he's been like that for a while. Yeah. Going back like, to I, high school. In high school in high in high school, I mean he was just like a ball of muscle. And that was kind of the reason why he was just so dominant. It was just that he was just physically more dominant than, than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So and he's got the speed and he's got the ball skills to kind of shake you out. A little bit so i mean if you're if you're in a game where you're up by a couple touchdowns and you really don't want to risk your 1a 1b 1c 1d running back he'll go out there and give you 10 15 rushes of just absolute wearing the defense down in kind of the the, the latter half of the game so i wouldn't be surprised to see him put up a couple hundred yards this season just on playing teams like Missouri State or Kansas or Tulsa or stuff like that. Yeah, I would hope. And, and yeah, and like you said, like you said, Jaden's still there, and yep. I mean, he's a guy that runs a legit four four. I mean, he may even be touching four threes at times. So that that's not like common for a true freshman to come in and just be able to provide you with that speed. So I mean, he played against some pretty good defenses when he was at Lone Star, and he he showed out, and he can catch the ball too. So I mean, you have five six legit running backs that could see touches at any time this season like you said the primary four but Zach Middleton and Jaden Nixon are probably like they're probably going to see some touches at some point well and I think what's important yeah. about that before we move to the defensive side of the ball is you've got two redshirt seniors in the running back room right now you know you, you're sitting there mm-hmm. with LD and Dez you know LD taking you know taking advantage of a COVID year um, those two guys, I think you're, they're, they're probably going to be your primary backs. I'm, I probably will tend, tend to lean towards Dez probably taking over at number one. Um, I like LD, right? He, he's a very likable guy. Um, he shows that burst at times. Um, but I, I just, I don't know if he, and, and I would love to be wrong, right? I just don't know if he has that number one type of talent in him. He's good, and he's going to contribute. He's going to make some big plays. He's going to score some touchdowns this year, and you go back to last year, he filled in very nicely when Chuba got hurt. But I just you look at Dez, uh, you kind of look at what Jalen Warren did a little bit, and I, I just I'm not saying that LD's going to fall to three, but I, I I think Dez is probably going to take over at that that number one spot, and you lose those two guys after this year, it's I, it's very important that you've got six guys, you've got two. Two young guys, you know, Jaden Nixon and Zach Middleton, that have earned some touches, and hopefully they can play a little bit this year to kind of get them wet, get their get their feet wet a little bit, and then you've got Dominic Richardson and you've got Jalen Warren moving forward. So I mean, the running back room looks very healthy. Um, you're you're bringing in some pretty talented running backs. Yeah, I was going to say in the 22 yeah, you, class. You so. lose you lose you lose two good ones, and then you bring in Ollie Gordon and. C.J. Brown. Oh, I tell you, Ollie, I, I like, like C.J. Brown, and I'm going to go watch him play tomorrow night. 
Um, oh my goodness. Ollie Brown is. I, 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 I mean, do, Ollie Gordon. I said Ollie Brown. I don't know. Ollie if, Gordon. I'm not sure there's a player in this class. Maybe Braylon. Maybe Braylon Presley. Pretty excited about, but I'm not. I don't think there's a player in this class that I'm. Hey, Talon Shetron, you know, but Ollie Gordon, man, there there is something about Ollie Gordon that just screams freshman All-American, doesn't it? I can't wait until you see him in person because, I mean, I've, I've seen him a bunch of times now in multiple different occasions, whether it be in pads, seven-on-seven. Seven, well, hell, you were the first person to watch him. Yeah. And he went out and game, put up like 300 that was yards. one of the 300. Try 455. There you go. Yeah, I mean, with six touchdowns against Allen, that that was one of that is probably the craziest, most hyped high school game I've ever watched in person. I've watched I've watched a lot of high school games, and that one, I mean, that's going to be one of those games when you look back in a few years, and you see like by the time like the freshmen of that time like come through and they're they're done, and you see like it's one of those things of like how many college players were on the high school field at that time. It's gonna be. A, it's probably gonna be a dozen. I mean, you had Ollie Gordon. You had. You already had the Green Twins. You got General Booty, Allen's quarterback. Great name. Great name. Um, I mean, you had some some studs on that team. They still got some there um, for both teams. But oh my God, Trinity Allen, that was an incredible game. Yeah, and Ollie Gordon. I went and watched him the next week after that. No, what did he do? 195 rushing yards, two touchdowns, and a 95 yard kick return. Mm-hmm. For a touchdown, it's nuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's 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 a freak. He that dude is special. And you want to talk about a running back that can receive? He could be. I mean, there was people that are offering him as a receiver. That dude is one of the best receiving running backs I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching him play. I think I think he's gonna be he's gonna be a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Um, Switching over the defensive side of the ball, you know, you talk about depth. Just look across the middle. You know, I mean, you've got you got Malcolm there at linebacker. You know, he's a senior, and then right behind him, you got redshirt sophomore Cameron Farrar. He's really come on strong. You've got Devin Harper. He's at linebacker, and who do you have behind him? Sophomore Mason Cobb. Mason Cobb might be one of the best defensive players on this team. No one just knows about yeah. him yet. Um, Jark Bernard Converse at corner. You got Jabbar Muhammad behind him. I think Jabbar is going to be an absolute star before it's all said and done. Um, Christian Holmes opposite of him. Right behind him, you got Corey Black. Uh, Corey Black came out of nowhere. Um, I think Corey Black has a chance to be pretty damn special as well. Um, so I mean, you look at you look at depth, and you look at you look at talented, a youthful depth. Um, this defensive side of the ball absolutely has it, Marshall. Yeah, I mean. The defense, I think, is what is as much as we just talked about the offense. I think the defense is going to be what what the all the eyes are on. At least I cannot the wait. Year. Cannot wait to watch um, this defense. I mean, the defensive line is ridiculously deep, and this that kind of this kind of ties back into some of the questions we'll have in the mailbag. But I mean, there's like there's guys that coach uh, the coaches have been talking about the past few weeks of them being like stars. They're not even like too deep. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that, they're talking about guys like being legit um, contributors and they're technically not even like starters or backups by, by definition of the two deep. And if you're talking about Colin Oliver, I'm really excited to see Jaden Durgan this year on the defensive line. I mean, cause he missed last year with a heart issue because of COVID you've got Brendan Evers. It's hopefully he doesn't get truck sticked again. 
Um, Ryan knows all about that. Uh, yeah. uh, I mean, Trey Sports coming back from knee injury. Tyron Irby's coming back from knee injury. I'm 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 extremely excited. And then the linebackers, they just kind of speak for themselves. They they got everything going right there. And then the DBs that you got probably the most experienced and most loaded safety room in the country. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I'm, I'll pose this question to you, Marshall. I, I asked you yesterday and you had the same answer as I did. Um, I was on with Eric G the other day and he asked me if I had to pick just one player on this team that would win, that has a chance of winning the big 12 defensive player of the year, who would it be? Marshall and I both had the same answer. Ryan, if you had to pick one player from this defense to win the Big 12 Player of the Year, who would it be? Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year? Mm-hmm. Mm. Shouldn't be hard. Gotta, shouldn't be? Nope. I was going to say probably Colby. That's a, see, that's and that's that's 1B. Because yeah, it's not like one A one B. That's what that's that's always the secondary answer. Absolutely, we both had Trey Sterling, and you look at what Colby did in twenty nineteen. If he can have another, if if Col, I'll tell you right now, if Colby has a twenty one, the way he had a a, a twenty nineteen season, I I don't see I, I don't see him not being in that conversation. Like there's there's no way that he's not one of the finalists. For Big Twelve Player of the Year, if he goes out and does what he did in 2019, but you guys both said Trey Sterling. Yeah, and yeah. And, and, and what's I cra- like that answer a lot. What's like crazy about Trey Sterling? <clears throat> Trey Sterling might be the most underrated, overlooked player in the entire country, and, and that's and that's at any position, Definitely. at any level, at any school. Trey Sterling is one of the best football players in America, and. No one talks about him outside yeah. of not not even the it's not even the Big Twelve because he's honorable mention, which is a joke. And that's yeah, and that's not that. even me. That's not even me sitting here with orange colored glasses. That's not me sitting here thinking, well, this my guy, and he's not getting the love he deserves. He's not. Trey Sterling could be on any team in America, and he and he wouldn't get the the love that he deserves. Trey Sterling is one of the best football players in America. Man, I'm so excited for just this defense and especially that secondary. So much experience, so much speed, so much depth, so much excitement. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, I I can't min- and I've mentioned it a few times. I I I don't I can't think of many times throughout my life, 30 years on this earth where I have been absolutely chomping at the bit to watch an Oklahoma State defense play more than an Oklahoma State offense. I mean, just across the board, you look at how talented this defense is. It, it's one of the it's easily one of the best defenses in the Big Twelve. And it's one of the top defenses in the country in several areas. Yeah, you lose Amen out of the middle. You lose Radarius Williams off the edge. And you lose Cam Murray out of the middle. But, I mean, you look at who – you return everybody else. And you have younger guys like Mason Cobb. There, There's a chance Mason Cobb could be starting before the end of this year. And, and, I, and honestly – I feel like he definitely will. And, and, and honestly, even if he's not, he's going to be playing a lot. Yeah, and, and if it – I don't even think it's going to be late. I, I think it could be half – like, 
less than halfway into the season. And that's not – I think Devin Harper is going to be really, really good. But I, I think it would just be too hard not to start Mason Cobb. I think he's just going to be that good. So, uh, And I know, how, I know how Marshall feels about Mason Cobb. That dude, he's a – well, like, I love, like, linebackers that just smoke people. Right? I love linebackers that are physical. That dude is the definition. He's – oh, my goodness, he is violent. And I love, the, I love when linebackers do that. And he's one of those – he's one of those dudes – he's not going to – he's not targeting you. He's not going to – he'll knock your helmet off, but he's not going to hit you with the crown of his helmet. He is just going to put his shoulder in your belly button, and you're going to get whiplash, and your helmet's going to fly back 20 yards, and you're just going to hear a bunch of oohs and ahs, and some dude's going to be down on the ground – some running back that he just met in the hole is going to be on the ground grabbing his ribs and Mason Cobb's going to be walking back to the huddle on the defensive side. Like he, he just does it in a way that is just so like it, it, it's effortless and it's, it's insane to watch. If you go watch his high, if you go watch his high school tape that dude, I, he had some like ridiculous, like 150 tackles or something stupid. Yeah. And it was like, what in me? What? That was another one of those guys that was not heavily recruited. They have good relationships out west. Benny Tonga finding the the Samoan community out there and out in Utah and California and Arizona and everywhere he's been out there. It, it, he got that done. and I mean, it, it's going to pay off for them. He's going to be a multi-year starter here. What's fun about Mason Cobb, they've got they, – they, they have player tidbits on the two deep. And <laughs> Mason's tidbits are – Saw action in each of the five, the final five games as a freshman. Played basketball and baseball in high school. Has five brothers. <laughs> does it doesn't mention the fact that he was the defensive player of the year at Utah's senior year in high school? It's oh, he played basketball and baseball in high school, and he's got five brothers. <laughs> it's so far under the radar. See, that's like, and this just goes back to like, if freaking. ESPN or is whoever's trying to do if he comes out and has three sacks and like against Tulsa or something, they're not going to have anything to talk about. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be on Twitter. They're going to be, they're going to have their like people in the back, their spotters scrolling through Twitter. They're like trying to find out who this kid is. Cause they're going to be all we know. So fast. Yeah. All we know is that he's got a bunch of tattoos and, and five, a big afro. And five and brothers. Like, and we have, and we, and we have five brothers. I don't know what to do. Here. Well, I'm reading and, through his bio from Oklahoma state and it looks like he played basketball and baseball and he has five brothers. <laughs> I mean, wow. It's, it's crazy. What, like how little some of these guys are recruited yeah. and then they end up being just absolute studs, but that's Oklahoma state's brand. We all, I mean, we all three of us know that. exactly what that's, I was about to say. that's, that's what they do. That's how they I mean, have... we can go through every single spot on the field. And at some point in that position group, you are looking at a current or a future starter that at, in high school at one time was an absolute nobody. Uh, Thomas, I mean, Thomas Harper, Thomas Harper, I mean, Malcolm, yeah. Colby, Colby, Trey, all of these dudes. I mean, yeah, they had some offers. Colby was the 78th or 78th ranked safety coming out of high school. I don't think Malcolm had a ranking. There's a lot of guys that didn't have Mal- rankings Malcolm, here. Malcolm was so and, – and that goes back to Trey Sterling. I know, I know we need to get to our mailbag. But that goes back to Trey Sterling, you know, how under – like underappreciated he is. Malcolm, mm-hmm. Malcolm might be the best linebacker in the Big Twelve, 
and just does not receive the amount of and and that, again that's not me saying well I think I I love Malcolm I I think Malcolm's really really good without any proof to back it up Malcolm was one of the best line statistically one of the best linebackers in the entire country and he was a second team All Big Twelve yeah his his fifty eight solo tackles led all Power Five linebackers. And he was seventh among all FBS players and ranked first among all Big 12 players. And I don't know if it's an Oklahoma State thing or, like, what the deal is. But, I mean, it, it are, a lot of the players here don't get respect, and we, we talk about that a lot. But, I mean, I don't know what, some, I don't know what more some of these guys can do. Yeah. To, you know what I'm going to gonna say that it is? I think it's an Oklahoma State defense thing because you go back uh, big 12 defense it might be years, it might be a just big a big 12 and yeah that's that's more or less what i was getting at you know like there have been a bunch of guys on the offensive side of the ball the last decade that have gotten their respect gotten their first team all-american first team on all-conference um but like the defense yeah i mean just not really gotten the respect a lot of the players haven't gotten the respect that they deserve and that, that's what i think i think it's a uh a negative association with defense and a positive association with offense that has been built up well, for uh, whatever reason because people don't pay attention to uh, statistics and stuff like that. I think what's going to help it this year is the off. hopefully the offensive line stays healthy and hopefully we see offensive production that an Oklahoma State offense is used to. Because you look at you look at running back and it's it's pretty stacked. Um, obviously, the offensive line needs to stay healthy, but it, this offense starts and stops with Spencer Sanders. If if Spencer truly made the 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 adjustments and he progressed the way that we've heard he progressed throughout the spring, and he goes out there and is his pre snap reads are crisp and his checkdowns are crisp and his his footwork and his timing in the pocket. If all of that is is good and he can take care of the football, I think I think this could be an Oklahoma State offensive old. I, I think Mike Gundy is spot on that this offense could score a lot of points because Spencer is an incredible athlete. He just hasn't he just hasn't got there yet. And I think that Miami game is a pretty good taste of what Spencer could be this year if he has a good offensive line and he has made some of those other some of those other progressions. So um, if this Oklahoma state offense is good and it's, you know, they're, they're not just saying, well, Oklahoma state, man, they barely squeaked a win against Kansas state. I don't know. You know, then that's, then, then I think if they can go out there and put up a lot of points, then I think this defense is going to get the respect it deserves because there's going to be a lot of people talking about Oklahoma state offense and, and the Oklahoma state defense, you know, kind of going hand in hand. Um, Marshall, let's kind of fly through this mailbag. I know we've, we've hit, we've probably hit quite a bit. Um, I, I, maybe not like exact questions, but I I would have to think, I mean, we hit, we hit quite a bit of stuff there. We're talking about the depth chart. Mm -hmm. So, um, let's go through this mailbag and and see if we can't try to knock some of these out. All right. So over the last two seasons, Stoner was the backup to Wallace on the outside. If he couldn't play, who was the backup for Tay Martin? I mean, we kind of touched on this. And I assume he's just going to say because, yeah, Stoner was his backup, but he was also like he also played. Right. Kind of was on the field, 
So I don't know exactly if you're saying like who's going to be the number two receiver. That one's kind of like a coin flip. It could be Vernon Presley. I think that would probably be the the initial answer mm-hmm. is Vernon Presley. Um, but then again, we, we talked about Rashad. We talked about the Greens. You got Jaden Bray, Rashad Owens. No one really knows. But as far as behind Tay, yeah. Um, I mean, what is it? Let's see. I forget what it says on the uh, depth chart. Jayden, I got it right Jayden, here. It's Jaden Bray. Yeah. So Jaden. I mean. Bray. Or Langston Anderson, technically. Oh, boy, I tell you, yeah. if, if Langston Anderson Langston stays Anderson. healthy, give give me Langston Anderson, man. That's the thing I wanted to ask you guys about. Is this going to finally be the year where he's able to stay healthy and able to uh, able to be a part of the offense? Because well, we were knock saying on, how good he was going to be. Knock on wood, we're we're a week out and he's healthy. We're, he, he's healthy to this point, and he's looked pretty damn good in fall camp. He's made some pretty impressive plays, so – I hope so because you just go back and watch some of his high school film and his speed, his physicality, um, his awareness on the field, his ball skills. Langston Anderson's a baller. I hope so. I I hope Langston Anderson stays healthy because Langston Anderson could be one of the best receivers on this team if he stays healthy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's he's one of those. He, you know, he was a highly recruited guy. He was a yeah, four-star kind yeah, of guy. He was, he was, he was a, a big name coming in, and he's kind of he's dealt with the injuries, and hopefully he does not have to deal with those any longer. Um, but as we move on to some of these other questions, um, of course I clicked off of the mailbag because I was looking at something else, so I'm pulling it back up here. But um, and we'll go back to the defensive line, and I know one of the questions, and Zach, we talked about this a little while ago, was uh, in regards to Colin Clay. It says, no Colin Clay on the depth chart, question mark. That kind of goes back to our discussion a little while ago about, like, they're just really, really stacked. Too deep. He's going to play. He's yeah. going to be on the field. Yeah, like, it's just, the, the defensive a, line is just too deep right now. You go back to June, Robert talked to Joe Bob, and Joe Bob said this is the deepest defensive line room he's ever had. And that's saying a lot because Joe Bob has churned out some pretty damn good defensive linemen during his time in Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see Colin Clay. He's just because he's not listed in the two deep. You'll you'll see Colin Clay. He'll he'll play. I, yeah, you'll you'll see Colin Clay play. Um, and I'm, I'm excited. Oh, yeah. I, I'm excited about it. You know, I, I I'm I'm excited to see how he bounces back from that knee injury. Um, and and honestly, I'm not saying that he's still dealing with that, but it's it's possible that with the depth they've brought him along really slow. They you know. So, but you'll see him. You'll you'll see him play for sure. Um, all right. So this one kind of goes towards a little bit of the, the realignment talk. But um, it says, who should and how many teams should the Big Twelve add, and how likely is it that the eight left behind teams stay together, or will the Big Ten save their AAU brothers, Kansas and Iowa State, and make things even worse for us? Oh man, that's a tough one any conference that's real, so hard yeah any right, so conference realignment is tough let's, let's break this down by by kind of the parts of the question so if they were to add it let's just say hypothetically the rest of the eight stay mm-hmm. and they were going to add two or four teams so they either get back to 10 or 12 teams somewhere in there who would you want okay well how one how many how many teams would you want them to add would you want them just to replace the two or would you want them to add four and get up to like a 12 team so that's where it gets a little interesting because let's hypothetically right that's that's the thing is right this is all yeah hypotheticals oh man i don't know because you look at 
there there I don't think there is you'd have to bring in a lot of teams to make up for the financial loss of OU in Texas. Um, Even if you do though, you're having to split the earnings between more teams. See, and that's if they're not able to bring in, and that's the th- and that's the thing because you're bringing you'd have that to, pool because you'd have to bring in Houston, you'd have to bring in Memphis, UCF, um, probably probably a Boise. Um, you know the the only way, and Marshall, you and I have talked about this, and the only way that you 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 know you recoup a good amount of that money if you're bringing in two teams is if you bring in, you know, um, an Arkansas and an A&M. And I don't care if Vanderbilt lost every single game for the next 20 years. They're not leaving the SEC money to come join the Big 12 to, in, in hopes of winning <laughs> no a couple way. of games. I, that's just it's, – it's fact. It's just the way it is. Um so if I'm if I'm looking at it, I, I don't. I, this is such a hard question to answer because I don't necessarily want the Big Twelve to survive. Uh, if it's the only, I don't either. If it's the I'm only way, yeah, If it's the only way the Oklahoma State stays relevant, then so be it. I don't think that's an issue though, um, because I don't think there are viable teams to bring in to make to to keep the Big Twelve relevant. Because if you look at the Big Twelve now, the the eight teams remaining. Oklahoma State has had the most success, right? West Virginia is pretty salty year in and year out. Um, TCU is, is pretty salty. Iowa State right now is is riding hot, but this is this is fairly recent. Um, you, then you look at the rest. I mean, you got Texas Tech, and they they were good under Pat Mahomes, but I mean, still didn't really do anything. Baylor is just a dumpster fire. Kansas State. They're okay. They beat OU every once in a while, but I mean, they haven't been good, you know, since before Snyder left. Kansas, Jesus, I mean, that is what yeah. I, I don't even need to talk about Kansas. So you want to talk about bringing in, you know, Ryan, that you hit it on the head to bring in enough schools to make up for the loss of OU in Texas. You'd have to bring in four to six schools, but then you're you're having to split that money. So Oklahoma that that's it's worse than than taking the the ace the AAC you know joining up with the AAC and and forming this super conference if if that if oh, I'll I'll say this right here and then I'll pass it along if Oklahoma State stays in the Big 12 Oklahoma you will not know Oklahoma State athletics as you know them right now because it will not be anywhere near as much money for Oklahoma State to say relevant period so yeah, I'm, I don't. I can't um, even. I can give you schools, like I said, but I, I'm not really going to give you schools because I don't think it's a viable option. Now I could be wrong, and who knows? Maybe OU and Texas stick around for four years. I don't. I highly doubt it. But you know, maybe maybe something happens and and magical switch gets flipped and ESPN or Fox is willing to pay you know eight hundred million dollars and all kinds of stuff and. You can you can bring in some big time schools to to you know to combat the SEC, but I don't see it happen. I just don't think it's viable. I'm I'm with you that I think the second you cross over into that um, AAC or any other conference, try to draw people in. The second you cross over, it in turn it makes 
just the college football landscape. Oh, the, the big so much respect. The Big Twelve doesn't stay Power Five. Period. I, I think the if that no. happens, it's group it's group of six with with the Big Twelve. Yeah, and I just don't think that it's a situation that Oklahoma State's going to be able to succeed in. You no. know, like I think I don't think that staying in the Big Twelve is an option if we want to stay nationally relevant yeah they'd they'd win a lot of games but it wouldn't matter yeah they'd win a lot of games Boise State wins a lot of games too bingo absolutely I don't know um, yeah let's we can move on to some of these other questions I mean we can talk about this stuff for give me the big give me the big 10 all day every day I'm I'm with you Zach I grew up in I grew up in Big Ten country. I lived in Wisconsin for 13 years. I had to deal with all those Big Ten fans up there telling me that my school doesn't play any defense, telling me how they would wax the floor with my little Big 12 school. I want I want to play Wisconsin every year. I want to be in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Bring it. Sign me up, baby. This is kind of related to that, but did y'all see the, uh, the Oklahoma State and Kentucky Twitter beef between some fans today. Yeah, I saw your response. That I injected myself. Yeah, I saw your response. I read that, and I started laughing when I read a lot of that stuff. <laughs> I there, found it hilarious. There are not many Kentucky football teams throughout the history of Kentucky football. Now, there are some, but there are not many Kentucky football teams that could beat Oklahoma State. That's now, true. you go within the last 20 years. You go back to like 10 and one. You go back to early nineties. You know, early eighties, seven. You know, some of the crap football. The, okay, maybe, but current Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State. There aren't many. No. Yeah. Sorry about you. So, all right. Next question. Okay, let's hit this one. Um, just saw Jr. Smith got NCAA <laughs> approval to play golf at NCANT. Hell yeah! Did. Did Whedon have to go through the same process coming over from pro baseball? Can't remember. Well, what process, like, to get eligible? He had to get cle- yeah, he had to get cleared to be eligible. Yeah, I but I think it was more more Wild West. Than... I, don't believe, I don't believe he did because he um, – because did, J, did J.R. Smith go to, go to college before? No. I think that go- it, it might be the same because – it might have been Both of them process. played professionally in a different sport and went back right. to college to go play a different sport than what they played professionally. Right, yeah. but my only thing was because I know Brand, I know Whedon went from high school to professional baseball. I didn't know if J.R. Yeah. Smith went from high school to professional. I basketball. think it was. He did. I think it was. He did. I think it was more, probably more of an age thing. I mean, J.R. Smith's like thirty six. Yeah, I mean, it was probably I would. It, um, who I said, Brian? Yeah, it was. It was probably a pretty similar process of just, which wasn't a difficult one for them to go through. It was, I mean, a pretty cut and dry thing. Like, okay, yeah, you haven't ever used any college eligibility for athletics. Check. Um, you played pro sports, but in a completely different sport. Check, and you're allowed into the school, and you got admitted. Check, you're good. I think that was kind of the 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 basic or the the simplified version of what happened there which i mean i think 
even for a, a guy like Tom Hutton coming in at 30, I'm sure he had to go to a different kind of process than, than your so, normal 18-year-old coming in. So which would... here's here's what the NCAA says about granting eligibility. So I would imagine that it's the exact same thing, uh, same process and mm-hmm. everything. The NCAA bars athletes from competing in college sports if they've played in the po- in the pro ranks, but the rules only apply to the sport the player made money in professionally. So right. J- so, so JR so JR Smith was not a professional golfer, and Brandon Whedon was not a professional football player. So had Brandon Whedon gone straight to the NFL out of high school, I know that's not that cannot happen, but if that were the case then Brandon Whedon could have come back to play baseball for Oklahoma State, but not football. And so also, in theory, that means that at some point, Matt Holiday, if he really wanted to fulfill his starting quarterback days. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on back. He's, Matt Holiday might be the most in-shape coach on campus. <laughs> That's very true. I bet he could throw the football uh, over the mountains. Rob Glass might try to, try to take that one. Does he count? Uh, he's a coach. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Rob Glass can put up some weight. I'm not gonna argue. He can put up some weight, but I'm not sure if he can. He's, I'm not sure if he can Rob, hit a baseball. Rob, no, but Rob Rob Glass is a coach, and I'm not one to argue with Rob Glass on just about <laughs> any topic. So, yeah, Rob exactly. Rob Glass counts. <laughs> so, all right, let's see what this next question. It's not about it it's not about penguins, is it? Uh, it's not about penguins oh, and whether okay. they may or may not have knees. Hey, um, I don't I, my brain, my brain was not ready to have to face that question on this uh, on this podcast. <laughs> so let's just skip. All right, this is from one of my friends, but we'll throw it in there. Who will win more basketball games this year, OSU or Texas Tech? Uh that's a good question. Um, I'm excited. Really I'm excited to see what this basketball team looks like. It's totally, it totally, I would say totally different without Cade Cunningham. Um, yeah, but I think you look at the talent that Boynton has composed. Um, and I think I, I would hope that, you know, Bryce Thompson's going to be healthy, you know, and that mm-hmm. this, this is going to be a better situation for him. Um, I hope ice I hope he gets back to where he was uh, pre-mono. Pre-mono ice was one of the best players in the conference. Um, M.A. needs to settle down. M.A. needs to figure out and kind of calm down and get under control. But if that happens, I think M.A. could be pretty solid. Um, Excited to see the progression that Rondell makes. Um, I'm excited to see what these other transfers do. I'm excited to see what Musa Cisse can do. Um, You know, he's the AAC player of the year. Um, I, I'm excited. Or freshman of the year, excuse me. I'm excited to see the the progression that he makes because it wasn't like he. I mean, he was good, but it wasn't like he went out there and put up, you know, fifteen and nine. Um, so I'm excited to. I'm, I'm interested to see what he does. And then, it goes without saying. I mean, Avery Anderson. My God, I, I I mean this this team. I think this team could be as good as Avery makes them. To be honest with you, I yeah. really do. So uh, yeah. here's another question of mine that I saw the other day, and I, I think everyone saw this on Twitter, that John Rothstein put out there that Boynton said that M.A. Moncrief, was it M.A. that yeah. he said was going to be playing some some point guard? What's up with that? I don't, yes, I I don't know, man. I, and I'm not a – honestly, I'm not a fan. Um, and it's not a knock on Boynton because he knows more about basketball than I'll ever know. 
Um, but will there be, will there be, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, will there be instances where EMA brings the ball up the court? Yeah, I think so. But are they going to, are there going to be a lot of actual design pieces and sets that they run for EMA? I just, you look at the collection of guards they have and I just don't, I, I get the size maybe, but when you, I mean, you talk about just doesn't like to me, it in, doesn't make sense. You brought in Bryce. Yeah. You have Avery already. You have Rondell. You and you have, got ice. You brought in a couple. You, yeah, you have ice. You, you brought in a couple of transfers that you, play. You've got Bryce that, Williams. That, play, that would play more traditional. Well, guard if, than you would if they're healthy, you've got Bryce Williams. If they're healthy, you've got Donovan Williams. You got Chris Harris. Yep. And I know that those, I you know, Donovan's a ball handler if he's healthy, but I mean, it just, mm-hmm. are you go? is it, is it just elaborate? I mean, are you going for trickery, you know, to try to throw some people I'm, off, but I mean, he, I'm he, wondering. he wasn't composed last year. I mean, there were a lot of charges, a lot of turnovers. So I don't know. I just, I don't, I'm not a fan and I don't think it is going to happen that well. I'm wondering if this is a lineup that they will only use in situations where they feel like they need to go big. It's but for sure size, absolutely size. It's the same. It's the same thing. Like Isaac Likely is not a small man. No, he's six six, and he could like if you need a big lineup, like let Isaac Likely be your point guard, mm-hmm. and you can go up from there. Absolutely. I don't know. I, I'm I'm really intrigued to see if this is actually a thing, but I I, I don't know. Ma is incredibly athletic, and I'm. He had a hell of a high school career. I think, you know, you go back to the summer before the NCAA announced, or it'd be the the month the NCAA announced its punishment. Just before the announcement, Mike Boynton had said that Caleb Boone has a possibility of being here only three years. To me, that's M.A. With with how athletic he is, I could see M.A. being in Stillwater three years. Not Caleb, but that's not a knock on Caleb. I just you look at how athletic and how talented Ma is. That's in my mind Ma. He needs to clean it up. He needs to tighten it up a little bit. Um, eliminate some turnovers. Eliminate the eliminate the charges and the the looseness um, on the fast breaks. But he's a very high motor. He he's very in, high motor. insanely high motor, high motor and insanely athletic. I love him. I. I that's the guy I want on my team, but I don't necessarily know if I want him being my point guard with the collection of guards you already have. Now, if you didn't mm-hmm. have, if you if you only had half of those guys, say you only had Avery and you only had Rondell, then it would make sense to play Ma as a as a you know a bigger guard possibly. But you you're too deep in guard, doesn't make sense to me anyway. I don't know, Boynton, if you're listening to this, I. You know more than I do, but to me, it's confusing. I trust you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've and, done and to answer your question, yeah. To answer your question, Marshall, I would say on paper, yes, I think Oklahoma State should win more basketball games than Texas Tech. Same. But I know Agreed. Texas Tech, it, Texas Tech is returning four of their five starters, I believe, or maybe it's three of their five. They're losing. They lost Max McClung, but they returned like Marcus Santos Silva and Kevin O'Banner and stuff like that. So I know. They've got some experience, and Texas Tech is always just one of those teams that's sneaky good at basketball, especially the last and four knew, or five years. I mean, know. I know they lost their coach to Texas. Yeah, how did I, I forget to mention that? Oh, by the way. But, 
I'm not sure. I mean, they, I think they brought in. I forget who it was, but I mean, not, not just a, a, a nobody. I mean, but a, but it was the guy that was that yeah, was like the same culture. You're gonna have like he's a talented coach by. I mean, from pretty much all parties. I think I've heard. it was so, a, uh, I think it was like an internal hire. Yeah, it was. It was an assistant. Yeah, yeah that's what that's what Zach was. There's saying. a so there's I, a I'm, reason that he got promoted. Yeah, but it's so I'm not. Sure they'll, they'll have the. I'm sure they're gonna have the same, or at least a similar play style. And kind of a same mentality of the program and culture and everything. So I don't expect to see too many changes, but I would I would have to say that there is more, probably more question. Marks. I don't know what the word I'm thinking of. More, more. There's just more going for OSU. I feel like than than Texas Tech, at least for this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also if you're curious, uh, a penguin's leg is composed of a short femur, a knee, a tibia, and a fibula. So they do have knees. They do have knees. Most of their okay. most of their their upper leg bones are not visible as they are covered in feathers, giving penguins. Okay, why do they Why do they waddle then? If they have, if they have knees, why don't they just walk like normal? Because the knees are bent into a situation where, like, the knees are bent up to where kind of where like the hips are. So like they're squatted. Interesting. Huh. Fun fact. There you go. Well, that's uh, from the. Okay. I'm not going to argue with anatomy. I'm not going to argue with. That is anatomy. that is the New England Aquarium. So there you go, Laney. They've got knees. Yep. Alrighty then. Next question. Um, next question. Um, I'm looking through the comments here. Okay, that's not a question. All right, here we go. Some. A boy, Master KS61 said, "My real question is: Are you taking the over or under on Spencer being replaced as QB one before Texas, which would be under or after Texas as the over?" Uh, I would sell. Like I, I'm gonna. I would take the. Yeah, I'm not, I would take the over because I don't. I don't. I'm heavy yeah. pushing the over. I don't think I'm he gonna, does. I'm just gonna. I'm not even gonna say under or over. I'm just gonna push because I don't. I don't think he does get replaced. Well, a push. Year. A push would be either. Texas. A push would, yeah. A, a push, push, well, a push yeah, would, would be Texas. Tech, technically. Okay, I guess technically. I'm just not going to bet. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I would, I would yeah, sell I it. Push would be push would technically be during Texas game. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take that bet because I, I don't think he's gonna get replaced. I don't either. I think I, this is gonna be the first year that we see Spencer Sanders without like the safety on, you know, because yeah. he's kind of had to cautiously tread his way in there, and there's been a little bit of a learning curve for him. Especially and yeah, that, and that's kind of the, and I think, I think the biggest thing, and, he, and Gundy talked about it a little bit. I know me and Zach have talked about it mm-hmm. a bunch of times. I think the biggest thing would be, and I'll give an analogy here in a second. This is just, this is, this is his fourth year here, his third year starting. Yet this is the first time he's ever had the quarterback coach and the offensive coordinator the same in back-to-back seasons. Right. So, if you're, let's just say you work at an office building and you get taught to run on one database and do, you're, do, you're doing your work for a nice year, you're kind of learning, have a couple speed bumps here and there, and then the next year you have to learn a completely new database with a completely new boss that works a different way, it, you may, you're not going to keep the same, the same like way of working. You have to change everything and you're going to have new learning curves. That's been Spencer Sanders for the past four years. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely. he's learned, and and when you talk about things that quarterbacks have to work on, 
you're talking about not only from a mental aspect of learning a playbook, which has changed three times since he's been here, maybe even four, because last year's playbook is not going to be the same thing as this year because they actually had time to implement new stuff. But the physical part, he's talked about how he has different throwing motions with every coach, different feet work, different ways of kind of acting, getting his eyes involved, manipulating his body learning how to go against defenses. So in back-to-back years, he finally has, I think Tim Rattay is going to be huge for him. And I think the continuity of Casey Dunn and, and updating that offense is going to be big for Spencer. And that's, I think that's why in the bowl game, you always, you always hear about these breakout bowl players because they have 15 practices from the time that they finished their last game of the season to the bowl game, which is essentially a fall camp. You have, you have several weeks of practices to implement these things and really sit there and work with not having to worry about, oh, we have a game this Saturday. We can't practice Thursday and Friday, so we just have Tuesday and Wednesday to work. No, we got 15 days to implement all of this, and now Spencer's had an entire year. So I think I think we'll see him go off. Yeah, I, I'm with you, and I think I think all of that stuff is really important, and I think I think because of all of that, that's why – Spencer's going to be on a short leash. Um, and, and I've said this since um, I've said this since the early summer. Um, I think, I think Spencer's the starter. I think he's going to be the starter. He, you know, we've heard that he's made the progressions and, and the changes and I, and I hope that he has improved. You know, this is his first full year, no interruptions with Tim Rattay. This is his second full year, no interruptions without or with, Casey Dunn and Casey should be more comfortable now. Gundy mentioned that in his his this first press conference he did at the start of fall camp is this is his second year doing it in Casey Dunn. So Casey should be more comfortable and that should help the offense along. The offensive line should be healthy and I think all of that plays into the fact that Spencer's going to have a short leash. Um, he's not going to have the time. You know if he goes out there and he's so so he's just kind of average in non conference play and he's struggling a little bit in conference play. Then he'll get replaced. They they can't afford to let a four year guy, you know, his third full year starting. They they can't give him any more time. I don't think that's going to be the case. I I think he'll do well, but because of all the improvements and everything that he has going for him, he'll be on a short leash. But to answer the question, I I don't think if he I'll say this: if Spencer is healthy, he'll start every game. If Spencer is not healthy, then Shane will play. But that, I think to me, that would be the only reason uh, Spencer doesn't start is if he's not healthy. And I I hope that I'm not wrong on that um, because I really like Spencer. I've seen him play a lot in high school, and he, he was insane. I want That's the Spencer I want to see, and not just because of the talent level, but I want to see Spencer enjoy to play football. I'm not saying that he doesn't like football, but – you go back to his first full year. First of all, his first year here was behind Taylor Cornelius. I know that ate him up because he wanted to play. Taylor did a great job. I'd g- give me another year of Taylor Cornelius, please. But his his first full year starting, it was awful. He he has yeah. a terrible game against Texas Tech. Multiple interceptions. We are never going to talk about Texas Tech oh, 2019 ever again. Multiple turnovers all year, and then he gets hurt. You know, breaks his hand, breaks his thumb. Um, 
And then last year, he gets injured, and he comes back, and he's still kind of struggling. He's still kind of feeling it out. He's got a bum offensive line. Um, he's got a first-year offensive coordinator that's trying to, you know, everything's a little watered down. Um, and so you, you didn't, you didn't have fall camp or no, spring. You didn't have any of that, you know. So and uh, you know what? You 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 tie all that in, and you've got an ESPN film crew in your face twenty-four-seven. I'm not saying that that's an excuse or a reason, but everything and and just wasn't great, right? His offensive line's not healthy. His his 2,000 yard running back's not healthy. Uh, Tylen Wallace gets kind of banged up towards the end of the year. It just it was you're, it was a you're down supposed year. to be you're supposed you're supposed to be first round tackle dips in the middle of the year due to yeah. injury. Yeah, you know. So I mean, I I want to see high school Spencer. He's incredibly talented, yes, but I want to see happy Spencer. I want to see Spencer go out and be able to do the things he can do and enjoy the game of football. That's the Spencer I want to see. And the last thing I'll say, for the people who have been saying for the last couple of years they're looking to see progression and improvement from Spencer, if you're going to see that improvement, it's going to be this year. Yep. If there's going to yeah. be a year where you see it, it will be this year, next next weekend, whatever – you know, like starting at that point, that's when you'll see the improvement after everything we talked about that kind of was keeping him from well, and it'll be really becoming the, what we thought he would be. And it'll be improved from the Miami game. Yeah. Yeah. Because the Miami game was just a glimpse of what could be. Now they've had almost, what, eight months, nine months to yep. hone in on what that was and work with receivers and they got better at the receiver core and everything. So full off season, yeah. full spring, full the summer workout, full is, camp. The, off, the offensive line is a thing. Yep. So what else you got? Well, that's, that, that's all the questions for at least I think. And there's a couple duplicates in there. Like they're dude. And we is, gave some, think, and we gave some animal anatomy. What a show you can't, you yeah, can't, you can't buy this quality. <clears throat> right. I've got one last question for both of you. Yeah. Short one. So, also on the depth chart, one thing we didn't talk about, but they were kind of the obvious, Brandon Presley handling the return duties, both kick and punt returns. Mm -hmm. Will this finally be the year that Oklahoma State – I'm not counting Jason Taylor's onside kick return last year. I'll just say yes. Will this finally be the year that the Cowboys have a return touchdown? Because the last time they had one, Last time they had a legitimate return touchdown was in 2015 yep. against Texas Tech, and it was Jalen McCleskey on a punt return. Yeah, give me give me a yes. Um, I okay. think I think Brennan is fast enough. I think he's athletic and talented enough. I think he's elusive enough. Um, Marshall, how many? And this goes to Braylon too. I'll include Braylon in this. How many kickoff or punt returns did we see over the past few years from those brothers? So it's combined, probably at least a good four. Now, that's high school talent, right? As Tom Dorado would say, that's comparing apples and oranges. But the experience and the talent and the athleticism is there. Um, give me a yes. I don't know if it'll be kickoff, okay. but but give me give me a chaotic punt return. Nice. Okay. Um, do you think that's going to be to double down? Will that be non-conference or conference? Probably conference, honestly, um, because I think I think the expectations and the hopes will be too high during during non-con play. Um, 
I think they know they'll go out. And I'm not saying they'll overlook anybody, but I think it'll be like, uh, let's see what we got. Let's play some younger guys. Um, you're not you're not trying to go out there and return one on Texas Tech. You know, there's not there's not a grudge between Boise State. You know, there's not a grudge with Missouri State. And honestly, there's probably not one with Tulsa. Um, right. But I I could see it being again. You know, maybe 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 homecoming against Kansas. Um, give me give me a road return against Iowa State. You know that okay. that that. Yeah. Because I think that could okay. be, I think that could be a big game. So, well, I mean, in in terms of, um, in terms of performance. So, um, I think I, I don't. I'm not going to pick a game, but give me conference play. Give me a chaotic punt cool. return yeah. during conference. Marshall, are you Zach. are you uh, also on the yes train? Oh, absolutely. But Zach, yeah, and Ryan. Guess what? Uh, what? Guess what player? Guess what high school player is already over like 150 yards in a passing touchdown tonight? Ollie Gordon. Ollie Gordon. There ain't there ain't there ain't many guys got, who rush already, for over four hundred yards he's got, and, and he, then um, switch to quarterback. Yeah, he uh he has over a hundred rushing yards tonight with two rushing touchdowns and also threw one in. Does not surprise me one They're bit. winning they're winning like forty like forty one to something. Yeah. I don't know, let me go check the score again. You know what that gives me? That reminds me of you remember that night, Marshall, when we went through game by game, 30, Derrick Henry's 30, senior year of his yeah, his, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. that was ridiculous. Like his worst game, where he had like 160 yards, but he threw, <laughs> yeah. he, threw a, he threw a passing touchdown, like an absolute dot in triple coverage. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, he's it's 31 to 14. Trinity's winning. Oof. I have a feeling. I have a feeling he's. Uh, have a feeling he's going to be shooting up the rankings this entire season. I would not be surprised if he wins Gatorade Texas Player of the Year. Yeah, you're going to see some. Yeah. He he had a bit of an explosion of offers after Oklahoma State, and I think I, I think this fall you'll. I, I'm not saying that Oklahoma State's going to have a fight on their hands because I I think he's pretty secure, but I think you're going to see. A yeah. lot, I think you're yeah. going to see a lot of offers come his way, and they're going to be. They're they're not going to be your UTSAs of the world. I think they're going to be your power fives. <laughs> so yeah. Um, Although I don't I don't know because I mean he might get some that come his way, but I mean he had some. I, I can already say this, and I won't get too much into his business. But he had some he had some pretty big names call him uh, when he was already committed, and he didn't say like see you later, but he said like thanks for the interest, but I'm locked in. So. I'm not going to say who it was, but like who, who the schools were, but he had some pretty big, he had some pretty big names coming after him. And he was like, Ima- thank you, but no, thank you. Imagine have, imagine that, right? Imagine you get a, a big school call and, and that's all you want, right? Before, before you commit to a school, all you want is that big time offer. Cause you just dream of running back touchdowns, you know, for some massive sec school or some big time, big 10 program, historical football. And you're like, you know what? Thanks, but nah. I'm don't even don't even bother offering. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Appreciate the phone call. Don't even bother offering. It will do you no good. Yeah, I mean, there was one time I was at the I was at a seven on seven like game like, and I was just hanging out with them between one of their games, and someone said something about some school call, like some big school call him or whatever, and like if he'd have interest, and he kind of did that, you know, that James Harden like interview where he walks uh-huh. away and he's like. She like it, it was almost like man get out of here like don't even don't even entertain me with that like it was almost <laughs> yeah. like it, like he didn't like he didn't care <laughs> so 
yeah, he's he's gonna be he's something special. Yeah, if if for those of you that are listening right now, if you haven't if you haven't watched Ollie Gordon yet, look up his huddle. I, you, this this kid is. This isn't grab some popcorn. Yeah, this isn't orange colored glasses. This isn't you know this isn't sunshine and roses. Mike Gundy recruits the best, and and these are our guys, so we love them. Ollie Gordon is legit. Ollie Gordon would start. Ollie Gordon is crazy. Ollie Gordon would start yeah. on any Power Five school, probably his second year in college, and he would probably. start on a good majority of them as a freshman. Yeah. So he's already big. he might be already like. As of right now, if he walked in, he might be our biggest running back. Yeah, he's huge. He's 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 I mean, Dom, insane. Dom's Dom's pretty big, but Ollie is a Ollie's a horse. Yeah. Yes, he is. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm excited to watch some of his senior season. Um I th- I think he's I think he's fixing to kind of blow up on the recruiting scene a little bit. So that'll be fun to watch. Um guys, I appreciate it. It was fun. Always enjoy it. Um we're what eight days, nine days away from the start of the season. I didn't think we'd get here. It's been a long time, but we're almost there. That September crazy. September fourth, Missouri State comes to town. Looking forward to it. Uh, we got some good high school games coming up, so uh, be tuned in to PokesReport.com because we're gonna have some some pretty good recruiting coverage over the next week. Um, but it's been fun. I I appreciate Ryan. Appreciate you jumping on and, and looking forward to. So working more yeah. with you and looking I'm forward to I'm excited to start writing once I get all this stuff that I'm handling right now squared I f- away. I feel you, man. I, I We're ready to have you, excited about it. Um, I'm ready for everyone to be healthy and ready to go, and then yes. we can we can get together in person and have this podcast, and that would be a lot of fun, <laughs> So, which we, haven't, we really haven't done since July. It's been a long time, but, hey, we're here. That's all that matters. Yes, we are here. Ryan Breeden, Marshall Levinson, I'm Zach Lancaster. This has been the Pokes Report podcast. Again, pokesreport.com. If you have not already, you need to subscribe because it's the best Oklahoma State coverage out there. You go to pokesreport.com slash subscribe. We'll talk to you next time here on pokesreport.com.